we are starting a series called Binge Reading the Bible. And the idea of binging on something is probably a pretty negative term in most of our lives. You know, there's, there's binging on something that is, that is immoral. There's, there's binging on Netflix. We'll talk about that a little bit. But there's all these binging things that we do. And, and binge eating, well, that's not good. But binge reading the Bible is going to be something that where, we, where we redeem that word for something that is of God's purposes. And so you can follow along on the YouVersion app. We're on there on the YouVersion app. It's the Bible app on your phone. If you click on the right-hand side when you get inside, it says more, and then you click on event. And we have notes inside there for you. Today we're going to be in Deuteronomy and in 2 Kings. Some of you may have never opened Deuteronomy. I didn't until I was about 15 years old, and I grew up in a Christian home. So Deuteronomy is not a book that we go to very commonly, but it's got so much weight on who God is. And we're going to learn a little bit more about who God is this morning that is going to be really exciting as we as a church spend this month binge reading on the Bible. And so we're also going to be in 2 Kings because we're going to see what happens as a result of not heeding the direction, not listening to the direction that God's given the people of Israel. And so right now I'm going to pray to get our time started because this is such an important time that we have to lay this before the Lord. Because if he's not here, there's no purpose in being here. And so we need to pray and ask him and re- request that he comes here. I'm going to pray right now. Heavenly Father, as we go through your word this morning, open our minds, our eyes, our hearts to what, what is there. We just, we just heard last week of Peter preaching a sermon where 3,000 came to faith because they heard the word of God. May that be our standard, that we hear the word of God when we come to church, when we come to, to worship your, and sing your praises and listen to your word be preached. Lord, we ask this morning, as we, as we read from Deuteronomy, as we read from 2 Kings, that you would show us more of who you are. That you would show us changes we can make with you. We sang a song earlier that the darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. I pray that would be true of our church this morning. That would be true of our families. Lord, we pray that you would be here that your presence would be felt. Help us to be ready to receive your word this morning. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the idea of binging or binge-watching something is something that is part of our culture. When I said that, the younger you are, the more likely you are to have heard that term in this last week. And I can tell you, Wednesday was a huge binge-watching day. Anyone binge-watch on Wednesday? Come on, it was like negative 50. Come on, someone was binge-watching. Something. And so you're watching TV, and the reason binge-watching is so easy, if you don't have Netflix or Hulu, I'll just explain to you. It's the simplest thing. The episode finishes, and then the next episode plays right away. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to press a button. Even someone who doesn't know how to turn on the TV can do this. Once it's on, just binge-watch. It just goes to the next thing. It's so easy. And then two episodes lead to a few more. And the next thing you know, you watch the whole season of a show you didn't even like at the beginning. Right? <laughs> it just happens. 
So binge watching is something that happens a lot. But what happens with binge watching is it's the first thing that comes to mind. And that's some of what we're going to talk about today. It's the first thing that comes to mind. It's the first thing everyone's talking about. Recently, Netflix put out a movie called Bird Box, and everyone started walking around with blindfolds on doing stupid things. If that's not peer pressure, I don't know what is. You know, hey, everyone's walking off a cliff. Let's just go do it, right? And so <laughs> binge watching leads to these things. For my generation, what it was is the show The Office. If anyone's ever seen The Office, it's super sarcastic and super inappropriate. But my whole generation watched it. We would have watch parties. Like, we would actually go and watch the show when it was on TV. That was before, you know, streaming, okay? I'm that old. Binge watching is so easy. We don't have to make any effort. We don't have to do anything. It's harder, think about this, it's harder to stop watching something than it is to keep watching something. That's something we need to think about a little bit. But it's not the same with the Word of God, right? Like if I were to tell you and challenge you to read the Word of God for one hour in a day, one hour a day, every day, for 21 days, let's say, how long would it take before you get distracted? I mean, the next episode's not just playing automatically. It's just not filling your brain with all this, this visual stimulation. So, so it, it's not so easy. It's a lot harder. It's harder to keep going and binge read the word, keep reading the word of God, because that's where you're going to receive direction in life. So we have an enemy that wants us to fail. And that enemy would, would want you to sit and watch Netflix for 14 hours a day, okay? You know Netflix, their primary competitor, they said recently, was sleep. Sleep. What? Sleep. An enemy wants us to fail. He wants us to waste hours doing things that have no value for God's kingdom. No value, nothing at all. He wants you to do that. And we, so we need to be intentional, and today could be that day that you make a change. Because, I'm going to tell you this, this is the one phrase you need to remember this morning. God has given us direction in life. God has just given us direction in life. Simple. God has given us direction in life. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament. It's the fourth book in the Bible. Yeah, Deuteronomy. I was like, wait, Numbers, Deuteronomy, fifth book, sorry. And we're going to turn to this passage that is called the Shema to the Jewish people. It's called the Shema because it mean, it, in Hebrew it means to hear. To hear. It starts with hear, O Israel. And that phrase occurs six times in the book of Deuteronomy. And why is that so important? What do you do with your kids when you really want them to listen? Come here, listen, hear, come on, get over here. Look me in the eyes. God's saying, look me in the eyes right here, okay? He's saying, hey. So I want you to do something with me as we read this passage. This is very important. It says, hear, O Israel. I want you to put your name in there. Can you do that with me? So let's do it all at the same time. We'll say, hear, O, and I'll start. So when I say go, we'll say, hear, O, and then you say your name. So it's going to sound like a garbled mess. Let's try it once. Hear, O, John. Oh, yeah, I'm the loudest because I've got a mic. So, so when you read this, insert your name because it's very important that as you read the word of God this morning that it's not about the nation of Israel. It is definitely about you as well. It applies to you just as much as it did to them. It's not something that is, is oh, this is for them and this is not for us. This is for both of us. The people of Israel, 
to this day, Orthodox Jews do this, they recite this daily. This is the one passage of scripture that is so important to the whole nation of Israel that they recite it daily and they teach it to their children. They wouldn't even mention where it came from. You know, Bible references are really from when the King James Bible came around. And so, so Jewish people would just call this the Shema. That's what it is. Oh, do you know that? Well, you're not a true Jew. It's like a test of being a Jew. If you knew this passage, you're a Jew. <laughs> That's what they would do. Good Jewish parents would recite this multiple times. Think about it like this. What verse have we, as a Christian culture in the United States, used in the same way? John 3.16, did I hear that? John 3.16. This is the John 3.16 of the Jewish faith. Seems pretty important. But many times we don't even go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is kind of the book in the Old Testament that maybe we skip over. But all of what we said about this, as I read this, think about this. Say, hear, oh, and then put your name in there as we read this, okay? This is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, verse 4 through 9. It is so important here. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Just totally side comment. Not to be distracting, but Hobby Lobby has really taken off on this, right? You know, you get the, all the scripture passages all over your walls. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's something deeper here that's going on. It's on your doorpost, okay? So I, I know that I'm in a, in a home with Christians the moment I walk in. It's kind of like when you hear Christian music on the radio versus secular music. You know right away because God has made it different. There's something different about this person. I don't know if you've ever walked up to someone and realized in that moment wait a second, there's something different about you. We want to be a church full of different people because, because we'll know right away. People will notice right away. And so this passage shows so much here. So first, verse four, God is unique. There is only one God that the Bible talks about. There's one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There are many other things we worship as God, but he is unique. And there's a second thing we can learn. He is the true God. He's the one and only. He's three in one. This is so interesting. In my study, I, I realized that sometimes we read this and we don't, don't notice it right away. It says that he is plural, but he's singular. And this is the first moment where we can see a picture of what the Trinity is. Can you imagine being a Jewish person before Jesus going, what is going on here? God is making it so confusing. We're, we're monotheistic. We believe in one God. But wait, he's saying there's more. What is coming? There's a whole lot of deep theology in this short passage. And then verse 5 gives us the framework for our entire relationship with God. This is so important. We can't miss this. It says, love the Lord with your heart, soul, and might. Anyone notice I left something out there? It doesn't just say that. That's how we interpret it. It says, all your heart, all your soul, 
all your might. It's not part of us that God wants. He wants all of us. When we read his word, so this morning as we just read that, we are actually reading the word of God and it's applying to our life when we, sit, when we realize that. That's what, about binge reading. If we're going to binge read other things or binge watch things, we're going to miss these things. God wants, wants all of us. He's the one we worship. And our relationship with God is personal. It's personal. It requires our emotions and our actions. It requires our emotions when we're in despair. It requires our emotions when we're excited about something. Because the heart, and you may have heard this before, the heart is the organ of the will. That's where we make our decisions and choices. That's the way it's described here. That's the way it's described in, in all of, of American literature. It's the, it's the organ of the will. So why would God ask us to give him our full devotion? That's a question I have for you this morning. Let me give you some scripture that teaches us about the love of God. I'm going to go really quick here. So if you're writing references down, this is going to be really quick. So 1 John 4.19. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8 is, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing type of love. Romans 5.5. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope in who? Jesus Christ. Because the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We love him because he first loved us. Because God's love has been poured out to us through the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be the same. We can't be the same. We can't do it anymore. We can't do it on our own. He fills us with his love. So if he wants all of you, the question we have to ask every morning, what am I holding back from him? What am I holding back from God that I really, really just don't want to give over to him? I, I'm sure in a room this size, many of you have had dreams that never happened. And I sometimes wonder if our dreams don't happen because our dreams aren't really aligned with what God wants for us and we haven't laid that dream before him. Maybe we need to do that because, because verse 6, the next verse, gives us clear direction about God's word. We have the word of God in our hearts if we're a believer in Jesus Christ and the place we make all the decisions and choices. It's the place we make all our decisions and choices. That's where the word of God is. Because it says here that we need to internalize the word of God. It's not just words on a page. It's the living, breathing word of God. Children that are in the room, I'm saying children, I mean below 18. Let's just say below 18, okay? This is a call to obedience. This is a commandment to obedience, you know, I had a very fun conversation with my daughter the other night. She's five years old. And she smarted off to me. I know, she's going to hate this when she's 13 and she listens to this sermon. But she smarted off to me. I said something and she said it right back to me like I needed to do it. And you know, you know that head bob, the parent head bob, like, what, what? Okay, I had that what, what moment. I turned and looked at her. I got down on my knees, so I was right at eye height for her, and I said, you're never going to do that again. And she looked at me like, oh, oh, you know, like, what's going on? And I said, 
honey, the Bible says, this was a teaching moment, the Bible says honor your father and mother. And I didn't ask you anything that was going to dishonor God. I didn't ask you to do anything that was sinful, right? Well, no, you just wanted me to pick that up. I said, honey, it's easy. It's just obedience. You just go and do it. It's simple. How many of us don't want to do that with God, though? When God calls us to something, we run away. We end up like my daughter and just say, you do it, God. No, I called you to be obedient. I called you to do this. We need to internalize the word of God. It's very simple. Loving God and keeping his commandments are connected. And no matter what you've heard your entire life, loving God and keeping his commandments are connected. There's no separation there. Jesus says in John 14, John chapter 14, verse 15, it's very simple. If you love me, Jesus, if you love Jesus, you will keep my commandments. I don't see any caveat there. I don't see any but in this case. But, 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 because that's the first word we want to put in there. But, well, I don't know if I feel about this. No, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Love God, and you will see God move through you in keeping his commandments. I know it's really hard sometimes to do that, and I know the struggle that it can be, but the reality is God doesn't give us bad gifts. He gives us good gifts, and part of that good gift is the word of God. Verse 7 makes this clear. It's not just something that is done once. It's a lifestyle. This is about having a life that reflects the word of God. And as parents, we need to teach our kids the character of who God is, that he's a good God, that he loves them. And what he has done for us, he sent his son to die on a cross for our sins, that we might have eternal life with him and that we might sit in the front row of the biggest church that will ever be in heaven and hear the voices praising God for eternity. That is what you want to tell your kids because that's the joy we can have. And he's given us the Holy Spirit if we believe in him. Our discussions with our kids, with our grandkids, with our friends, need to be centered around the word of God. How many times do we have conversations that distract or go nowhere? I'm an extrovert, and that's my biggest problem. I just have conversations left and right. I love talking to people. Oh, yeah, let's talk. Woo. Can't go to Meyer without spending three hours there, you know, just, let's just keep talking. Woo, woo. Right? What if all those conversations were conversations where I was praying with someone or I was sharing from Scripture what they needed to hear? redeeming what we have. We already have those opportunities. Every single one of you potentially, and I think you do, have more opportunity than I do to share the gospel with someone this week. You have more opportunity because there's people that you know that won't be reached by anyone unless you do it. Our discussions need to be that. Have a discussion at mealtime with your family once a day. Have it at breakfast or at dinner. Have one conversation, five minutes. Maybe you just ask a question of your family. Say, what have you guys been reading in the Word today, uh, this week? What have you, what, what's something about God? So let me read this short devotion. Anything. Because the reality is, if you're in the United States and you're above the age of 18, you've spent three hours in front of a screen at least. And that's not including work time. That's like fun time. Three hours in front of a screen 
And really, God's not asking for much when he says five minutes. If five minutes of the word transforms your whole life, how much more impactful is the word than watching Netflix? It's, it's crazy. The, there's no comparison. And so this, this idea of diligence and teaching diligently to our kids, it literally means direction. It's not just discipline, it's direction. And so repeated direction from God is what we are called to be personally and publicly. So personally, if you look at this, I've heard it said once that character, you want to be the person that has character, right? You want to be a person with character. If you are the person with character, the people that are closest to you will appreciate you the most. If, if, if you're not a person of character, the people that are furthest from you will appreciate you the most. I think that's interesting. Because, because the reality is, it's both personal and public that we need to be giving direction. We need to be in the Word of God, binge reading it, devouring the commands. The word devour is used in Scripture to describe the time that we spend in the Word. We need to be devouring it. The commands that he has for his people. And then verses 8 and 9. I, I love these verses because they change a little bit of what we might think about what it means... To, to read the word of God. And, and it's communicated in two different ways. The word of God needs to be communicated in two different ways, and it's not ways we think of right away. And one is with your senses. All of the festival meals that the Jewish people ever had, everything in the food was directly connected to teaching something about the character of God. Everything they did. I mean, if you, I'm not going to go into it right now, but there is like multiple different ways that this is shown. The meals that they had were educational events. I'm sorry. I know some of you are going like, I don't know how I can make an educational event out of mac and cheese. Okay, I'm not saying that. But we can talk to our families at the table about God. And they always had these educational events that were, that were around food. They didn't watch TV when they were eating with their family. They didn't continually look at their phones. They weren't, they weren't attached to something. You know, I, I've realized Apple recently put out this, this screen time app, and it's really scary, the research that they found, just in a few months, of how much time that, that screen is on. And Apple's not everybody's phone, but a Apple has so much data, it, it really is a, is a microcosm of, of the bigger picture. People are on their screens. Family dinners can be moments to teach about God, and the Word of God needs to be also communicated creatively. We can't just do the same old thing because the culture is changing. And so the culture is changing. God is here to redeem the culture and constantly has an answer for the culture because that's what the good news of Jesus Christ is. It's the answer for all of time in every culture. The message doesn't need to change, but the methods can. And if we have the love of God, symbols that we show can show that message of Jesus Christ. And you look here. So we haven't always had a cross up here. Those of you that have been with us for a long time, this is actually rather new in the history of the church. I think it's important to realize that that cross is empty. There's no one on there because Jesus is off the cross and rose again. We, we serve a risen Savior. That's what that symbol means. When you walk in this room, you can look up and go, 
I serve a risen Savior. I know that Jesus rose from the dead. I see the empty cross. That's a symbol. It's an aid to share the message. So this is the Shema. So, so w- w- what can we learn from the Shema? What can we learn here? If you read the Shema on a daily basis with your family for one month, or whoever you're in community with, just for one month, what do you think will happen? God's going to reveal some things to you. Well, when I'm sitting, okay, so I sit in a recliner for about an hour a day, or I, I sit at my desk at work, and how can I share the word when I'm supposed to be productive, and what does this mean? And God's going to reveal things to you. What does it mean if our entire church family decided to read the Shema every day for a month, let's say? What does that look like? What, what, if, what if our church family lived like this? Taking every opportunity, taking opportunities as they arise and doing something about it. If your family doesn't have a theme verse, and maybe you've never even heard of your family having a theme verse, if your family doesn't have a theme verse, this, these are some great verses right here. Whether you're a, a parent or a child, these are great verses to have a theme verse for your life. I'm going to walk in the presence of God for the rest of my days, the living, breathing word of God. I am going to read and I'm going to apply his word because that's what he's commanded me to. At this point, some of you may be saying, I don't read and I don't like reading, and I don't ever want to read. Well, that's really great, okay? I want to give you the largest reason for you to read the Word of God. Turn with me to 2 Kings 22, 8 through 13. 2 Kings 22, 8 through 13. And pardon with me on these names, because these names are really hard. And if you heard me stumble before when I'm preaching on these names, I practice them, and I'm still struggling. So... There's some crazy names. Don't name your kids any of the names in this passage. The people of Israel at this point in 2 Kings chapter 22 had stopped keeping the covenant they'd made with God. They weren't reading the word of God. They weren't doing anything with the word of God. They were actually worshiping other gods and kind of putting Yahweh, the the God of Israel, God the Father, on this like side pedestal over here. They weren't really doing anything with him. They broke the agreement they had with God. And Josiah was king. And Josiah was, was kind of an innovator. He decided that he was going to destroy all the high places. And Yahweh was worshipped there a little bit. The God of Israel, God the, God the Father, was, was worshipped there. But a lot of other gods were. And the high places were a place where they would worship other gods. And so he, he got rid of all that. And so the, the, the people of Judah, which is the southern kingdom, there's Israel and Judah, and all of it together is, is Israel, the country, the, the nation, we're in a transitional period. They were in a transitional period, a period of turmoil. So church, I, I learned this this week um, from a comedian, but transition equals you're fired in the church. Okay, think of that. Okay, That's, they're in transition. Like, it's not a good time. It's, it's not a, a great time, okay? And then we come to this part where they find the book of the law, and they find the word of God, and they start reading it. So let me, let me read here. 2 Kings 22, 8 through 13. And Hilkiah, the, chief, or the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, 
and he read it. And Shaphan the secretary came to the king and reported it to the king. Your servants have emptied out the money that was given to the ha- into the house and delivered it to the hand of the workmen have cite the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan the secretary told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, had given me a book. And Shaphan said, read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah, the priest, and Hak. Cam, the son of Shephan, and Achbor, the son of Micaiah, that's a good one, and Shephan, the secretary, and Asa, the, the king's servant, saying, go inquire the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book, do according to all that is written concerning us. It's pretty sad. Can you imagine, maybe you're older and you're in the room, can you imagine that you come back to this church, you you pass away and God allows you to see this church in 50 years and there's a person up here that looks just like me, someone someone else because I'm not that, I, I hopefully will be retired in 50 years, right? And they're not preaching the word of God anymore. And then someone goes, hey, there's this thing, this Bible. And they open it up. And they realize that they are in such great sin. And the king's response right away is so powerful. So they read this. It was personal. The secretary read it first, and then he read it to the king, okay? He has it read to him. And what does the king do right away? It says in verse 11, when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. That's a little weird. I'm not going to tear my clothes this morning. But it's not weird because in that culture, that was a sign of grief, People were grieving. When people grieve someone's death, they would tear their clothes. They would weep. We have no context for this. In our culture, men are told not to cry. Well, men were crying. And they weren't just crying. They were weeping. They were tearing their clothes. He tears his clothes. He was grieving the sin of the people. And hearing the word of God led to repentance. So if there's a, not a better reason, I think the reason we run from reading the word of God And it's because we're afraid of what we might find inside ourselves that God wants to change. Because we we seek God, but then we struggle with this thing called repentance, turning the other direction. So the king there sets in motion the change of the entire nation of Israel. Judah was in turmoil. And we can do the same thing. We can change this church. We can change the community. We can change our families, and we can set into motion this change because the word of God is what's going to transform the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is something that we can't gloss over. We can't forget, something that we need to live every day. And so the king did this then. So the king first asked for an interpretation from the spokesman of God. And then he does this. He says, okay, I've got some questions. This is what I want answered. And, and we have the word of God in front of us. Okay, so we're not like this king. We, we have the word of God in front of us, the entire complete Old and New Testament. If you don't have a Bible, I'll get you one. We have it right in front of us. It's, it's a book. It's right here. We have it. And, and we have the answers to some of these questions that the king had. We don't have to, you don't have to come to me 
to answer these questions, you can go there. Maybe I'm going to get rid of my job, okay? You can go there, right there to the Word of God. You don't have to talk to me. He asks these questions, and these are the questions that could transform this church this month. Is the Word of God true? He asks if it's true. Is this relevant for us? That's what he's asking. He's, is this relevant? What are the implications then of this word from God? What, what, what do we need to do? How do we apply what we read? You know how many thousands of years ago this happened? And we have the same questions today. It's all found in the, in the Bible. When we neglect to read the word of God, we will not be grieved by our sin. We will go on thinking that we're okay when in reality, we're not. Our relationship with God will become non-existent. And when we read the word of God, we'll be more focused on him. And we will be grieved by our sin and the sins of others. A phrase I really hate, that, that in my deepest core of my being, I hate, is when someone says to me, it just is what it is. That's not what God says. It's not just is what it is. God's word changes us, transforms us. Like you ever, you ever not want to speak up because you're like, this is the 14th time I've had to talk to this person about this? Anyone that's a parent has done that about 100 times, okay? Right? And we keep going at it. And God is continually reaching out to you just as much as a parent does through his word. What's it going to take for you to make a change? God is always, always merciful to undeserving people. You're saying, I don't deserve this. And you might be saying something else. You might be saying, hey, hey Pastor John, it's really easy for you to say because you're the pastor and you have devoted your life to ministry and that's so easy because that's just what you do. You're, that's what we, you, you do that with everything. That's your whole job. That's what you're doing. But I will tell you something, and I want you to listen to this. The hardest struggle as a pastor, and this is not just myself. I've talked to a lot of other pastors about this. The hardest struggle as a pastor is to sit down and spend personal time with the Lord. Now, you may be asking, what? The reality is, let me, let me explain. We spend all week studying the word of God. We spend all week preparing for a sermon. We spend all week applying the word, talking to people, counseling people, doing all that. When do we sit down, open the word of God, spend time in prayer, personal time in prayer, for me, not for anyone else, for me? When do I do that? So before, before you write this off and say, well, I just don't have time, or it's, it's easier for you, why are you talking to me about this? It's easy to make excuses about our prayer time and time we spend in the word. And since you're already, you know, like for me, the excuse is easy. I'm already studying for a sermon. I'm already in the word every day. No matter what I do, I'm reading the Bible. I'm teaching others. But when am I going to spend time in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ? So no matter what you are doing in life, there's always going to be excuses. Maybe it's, maybe it's something like, hey, I work 
12-hour shifts, seven days a week sometimes. Or, hey, I've got four kids in my house. Or, hey, I've got to go take care of my parents. They're older and they need help. Whatever it is, there's no excuse. But the heartbeat of God, and I will tell you this, the heartbeat of God is found in those quiet, still moments with him. Those moments that you can't manufacture. That, that everything is, is, is completely out. There, there's silence. There's moments where, where there's nothing on. There's nothing in the background. Those moments. It doesn't matter if you spent your whole life in church or just came in those doors today. The word of God is life-giving. And I'm going to tell you one more thing. Satan will do anything he can, anything, however subtly, to keep you from reading it and spending time in prayer with the Lord of the universe. I'm not trying to magnify his power, but I am telling you, he will do anything. And we're going to have a challenge in a couple minutes. And this challenge is something that I think is completely doable. You know, men, we like challenges sometimes, right? Challenge. This is a challenge for everybody. But I want you to know, men, that if you're a father, this challenge is actually for you. Because this is so important if you're going to lead your home spiritually if you do this. Remember last month we talked about how God has a bigger vision for his church? This is part of that bigger vision. Being in the word of God, praying together, this is so important. Because God has given us direction in life. We already have that. And whether or not you think this, the word of God is pretty clear on a lot of things. Makes, makes life actually easier if you, you have some direction, some moral compass. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Where is the word of God in your house? Where's the Bible? Where, where's your Bible? Where is it in your life? Is it an active part of your life? You know, as a pastor, I've got Bibles everywhere, you know? Like, I got, I got my preaching Bible, I got my desk Bible, I got my bedside Bible, <laughs> I got Bibles everywhere. So, like, it's like there's no excuse. Where's your Bible? Is it on a shelf somewhere, just sitting there? This is a more telling thing. Is it in the back seat of the car because you tossed it in there last week after service and you'll do it after this service because you're just putting it on the sideline? Or is it on your kitchen table? Where is it in your life? God has given us direction in life. If you listen to one thing, you need to answer this question. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? You're going to let it sit? Kind of look at it? Hope a little bit that you'll get time to read this week? What are you going to do about it? We have some ideas about what you can do about it. And I'm going to have Pastor Aaron come up here. Pastor Aaron recently challenged the high school students and the junior high students something that I think is so important for our whole church and perfectly addresses this need. And so I'm going to have him share for a second here. And we're going to talk a little bit about some things that we're going to be doing this month that are bigger vision, bigger picture things that we want to do together as a church, not just individuals, but together. So I'll let 
here in Cher. So as we all know, it's a very common thing as the year starts up to have New Year's resolutions. And we wanted, as a youth group, a fuse, uh, to start out the year in, uh, in God's word and in prayer together. And we didn't have a lot of structure to it. We just said, hey, wherever you're at, get started. So if you haven't been reading God's word at all, like just read one verse and just talk to God and, and pray about it. If you've been doing more, like read a chapter, read a book each week, whatever, wherever you're at. But how many people participated in that? Raise your hand. I know there's oh, some guys. Hands. I know you did back there. That was, was it good? Yeah, it was good. We had, uh, I was so excited. We had um, everyone in, in our group participated in some way. And we had uh, half the group that was able to have a continuous streak that every day for 21 days they prayed and they read God's word. And it was just exciting to see that happening. We got to share with each other what God was speaking to us through that time. So, Aaron, I'm actually going to put you on the spot. So 21 days, why 21 days? 21 days, we were going through the book of Daniel and how Daniel was faithful in his prayer and uh, seeking after God. And 21 days, they say, is what begins a habit. So we wanted to start out the year with that. So we want to have a habit as a church. And sometimes we set goals and New Year's resolutions and we get really scared. Anyone have a one-year Bible? one of those Bibles that you can read through in one year, and then you get to about like June and somehow you miss a day and then you're like, oh, I gotta read another day and then you get deflated. We just want 21 days because we figure if we start a habit as a church in the word of God and prayer, that that's gonna perfectly address this issue in our life where we, we need to binge read on the word of God and we need to spend time with him in prayer. And so we have a few things that um, I'm gonna share right now. So we're gonna have a Bible reading plan one that we're going to post, um, I believe, on Facebook and through a prayer email that we'll talk about in just one second. And we're going to have a daily prayer request starting next Sunday that's for the church. So what we're asking you to do is sign up for that. There's two ways. One, we're going to post a link on Facebook today. And two, you can sign up out at the Connection Center for this. What we are going to do is send you one email a day with a short little blurb and then one prayer request. And we're asking you for 21 days to pray for that one prayer request every day. So we can say 50 people prayed for this, 60 people prayed for this, 200 people prayed for this, and they prayed for it every day for 21 days. There's going to be different ones every day, and it's for the church. And so we're going to be doing that as well as we think that this, it's not just to create a habit, but it's also to build unity as a church, because we need to know, I, it, I, I think, I, come, I hear things every day, things that has happening in the church, because we are the church that I'm just excited about, and this is one way that we can pray for those things to happen here. And so it's bringing us back to what the church is meant to be, and it's being on the mission with Jesus. The early church in Acts, the first thing they did is they devoted their lives to reading of the word and prayer. Simple as that. It doesn't even say they preached a sermon. You know, I talk about Peter's sermon, and that was there, but that... They just gathered together and read the word, and they prayed. And so that is the opportunity we have, and we want to be on the lookout for other opportunities that God is going to have for us. So we're asking you to sign up for a daily email starting next Sunday for 21 days and pray one prayer request a day for the church that's going to be in that email. And so we do need you to sign up because we're creating a special list for this. 
And we're also gonna have the Bible reading plan. The Bible reading plan will be on version, and so Aaron will give you a little bit more details about that. Yeah, if you have the Bible app on your phone, um, I love it. Uh, easy way to binge read the Bible is you have it uh, read it to you. You hit play, and it'll just keep going just like Netflix does. So you can... And, it is and, pretty awesome. And maybe you're never a mom stops. and you're like, I've got dishes and I've got laundry and I have kids coming at me all the time. Put on your Bible app while you're there by the sink and have it playing uh, as, as you do the dishes or whatever it is, just throughout your daily life, just like you were saying, throughout everything that's going on. It's just a simple way to have that going. So what we're doing is we're going to join up with this Bible reading plan. It's a 20-day reading plan through the book of John, talking about Jesus. He is the word of God. Um, and, and we want to internalize the word in our hearts. What you put into your mind comes out. It's actually not hard. It's really hard to stay on track, but we don't have to come up with the perfect words to say to our friends and our neighbors and it, our family. We just get in God's word and that's what will be in our head. So if you go to the Bible app, um, there's a little thing at the bottom, right in the middle, that says plans. And you can search for this one. It's called Word, a 21-day reading plan. It's by Doxa Deo. It's a church here in America that put this together. Uh, it, whenever you hit start, it's going to start that day. And we want to start next Sunday. So there, if you were to do it today or some other time during the week, there's a thing that says save for later. Um, go ahead and do that. And then next week... Uh, you can hit start plan because we really want to do this together. Even if you're reading something else, that's awesome. Go ahead and keep doing that. But we would love, as John said, to have that unity as a church. And what would it look like if we were each reading? Uh, it's just basically about a chapter or two a day. It's not a lot. But if we were doing that each day. And that, I just have one other little challenge. Maybe something has happened to you recently or over a long period of time and and you're jaded, you're hurt, you, you've looked at God's word, and it's just like, I'm reading it, but I'm not getting anything out of it. I don't know. I challenge you, there may be hurts there that, that you have to step out, that bigger vision that God has for you, and have faith that he is going to speak to you. He is going to use this in your life, and it can be a big step of faith to say, all right, God, I'm expecting you to do something, but he's promised us that his word will not return void. So I think it's going to be really exciting when we, we sign up for the prayer, uh, sign up for this reading, and we do it all together and see what God does. I'm super excited. I don't know. I, he's, not a, he's like a hype man. Do you guys know what that is? It's the guy in the rap concert that goes, ugh, ugh, ugh. You know, like, that was exciting because as a church... As a church, we, we need to be in the word, and we need to be praying. And what better way to do that is praying for the same things as a church together. And 21 days is not really a long time. I mean, I am super excited because we, we started um, writing for those emails, and we've started uh, compiling things so that we can actually provide something that is going to be very useful for you on a daily basis for these 21 days. And so um, one, one last thing I want to mention before uh, we, we close some of the service is we have a prayer wall out there by the door. And so if you've come to us recently and you've been at Sunlight recently, we haven't talked about it much. And so this morning, we took all our prayer tags off there. And what a prayer tag is, is you can write a prayer request on there and you put it up on the wall. 
And what happens is someone takes that tag. You can take a tag off there this morning if someone writes something up there. You take a tag off, and on the other side, you write the dates you prayed for that person. And I can tell you, I, I, I know that some of you have been praying for things for probably years. Some of those prayer tags had 50 to 60 different times other people prayed for that person. It's kind of anonymous. You put your initials, and so you can kind of guess. Sometimes I figured out who it was, you know. Oh, there's only that initial. That's the only person that comes here. So, you know, stuff like that. But the reality is you put your initials, you put the date on the back. I would love to see us as a church that we continually keep that going. And if you have a passion for that, I'd love to talk to you because I'd love for someone to to take that and that be part of their ministry here at Sunlight Community Church and and talk about it um, from stage sometimes, but honestly, just be able to help people with the prayer wall. There's also colored tags you know what color tags are for? Color tags are for, tag, for, for things that God has answered. So if God answers a prayer of yours, write it on a color tag. We need to see. People need to see visually. We talked about the senses. See visually what God is doing here at Sunlight Community Church. And so that's, I'm excited about that as well. And so we're going to continue in worship here. Um, if you have any questions about the, the uh, prayer list, there's, there's someone at the Connection Center that has a, a sign-up sheet. You can also sign up through Facebook. There'll be a link on there. It's MailChimp, so it's really easy. First, last name, and email. So we should be able to do that today. I'm excited, Aaron. Are you? Are you excited? Yeah. So let me pray, and we're going to continue in worship in just a minute. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We, We are thankful for your word. We're thankful that when we read that part of Deuteronomy, we can say, hear, oh, and and say our name. Because God, your word is is for us. Because you're a loving God. Help us to be a church that diligently, repeatedly gives direction from God. That we receive it from your word and we give it to others. Let us not forget why we're here this morning. Why we gather together to worship you and praise you. For you are the the mighty God. The God of the universe that created us. Help us to not get lost in everything else that's going on. Help us not to have the TV, our phones, be the center of our lives, but the Word of God. Let us leave this service today in in, in different ways as God is convicting us. Be in the Word this week as we prepare as a church to start next Sunday this 21-day journey in the Word and in prayer. God, you, you are so big and so great. So no matter what, what our background is, we know that you can overcome that. God, no matter what we're going through, the pains and the hurts that we feel right now, God, your Word is for that. Your word says, cast our anxiety upon you. Present our requests to you. Help us to do that as a church. Not just this morning. Not just this week, but for our lives. Help us to give all that we have to you, Lord. We say all this in Jesus' name.